Hello, it's me again. Now, if you don't like bus-themed love stories, you might want to call it quits and find another episode to listen to at this point. But something tells me you're probably going to want to keep listening. Because it isn't just any bus-themed love story we have for you in part two of this bonus finale episode of London Love Stories. Oh, no. Remember Alison Elliott's remarkable chance encounter on the number 17? I just thought I should get off and see if I can find him. Well, let's just say we might have just found the most romantic bus route in London. They pump it full of pheromones or something. <laughs> I mean, I definitely saw him and was drawn to him like a butterfly. Get to every bus stop in London, just like the volume of bus stops. It's, if it's not happening for you, first 10, 12 bus stops in a night, just keep going. From The Standard, this is London Love Stories with Katie Strick. Meet Rory. I'm Rory. I'm 33. I work in travel and I'm currently living in Malaga. But back to London for a second, for the start of Rory's love story. It's May 2015, 18 months after Alison Elliott's flower market-themed meet-cute on the back of the number 17, and just days after David Cameron has just returned to office for a second term as Prime Minister. I've just been to see Her Majesty the Queen, and I will now form a majority Conservative government. And Rory, a 25-year-old living in a flat share in Finsbury Park, is trying to make it as a comedian. I think I've been single for like three, four years, sort of doing like semi-professional stand-up comedy, uh, you know, spending my nights talking to strangers about my life, trying to make them laugh. It wasn't very fulfilling. There was not much romance. And I couldn't even download dating apps because I didn't have a smartphone uh, until 2018, actually. So I did use Tinder once, but I had to download it on my mum's iPad because I was living with my parents as well uh, at the time. And so I'd download it at night, try to get a date on Tinder and then delete it in the morning so my mum wouldn't see it and replace it with like Angry Birds to justify, oh, we've always been spending a lot of time on the iPad, like the, the battery's gone down. Safe to say it's probably a little less socially acceptable to tell the parents you'd met in a dating app at this particular point. Although still a pretty bold move not to have any kind of smartphone. I, I was always amazed how much my friends are spending on, on, on phones and also Ubers, like because you can't order an Uber without a smartphone at, at that time. So I would always have to get public transport home um, or like print maps out. Uh, yeah, I was a bit of a Luddite, like anti-screens. Anyway, Rory is desperately trying to craft a career in comedy for himself. He'd been part of a sketch group for a few years previously, but the others had given up on the dream and moved on to other careers. Determined not to follow their lead, he goes solo, channeling his energy into stand-up shows about fussy eating and not having a proper job like his friends. Whenever I'm doing new material, I like to imagine that comedy is a bit like tennis, okay? Because when tennis players make a mistake, it's not awkward like it is with a comedian. They just wear their heart on their sleeve and just berate themselves, right? So if a joke falls flat, I am just going to, like, hit myself in the face. <laughs> and just, like, shout at myself in a foreign language. Oh, you have to pull a shazna, the boy, the boy! It's a Friday night in May, and Rory has just been performing this very routine and finds himself stranded in King's Cross. He's just been for some drinks with his fellow comedians after a gig at the Garrison pub and ends up missing his last tube home. He's not exactly having the best night of his life. 
I was feeling a bit down because someone in the bar had told me that like some other comedian had just had a sitcom commission that was like the same idea that I had had. So I was wandering the streets of King's Cross. It wasn't raining, although I wish it was raining because I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. This guy stole my idea. And that's why I kind of got a bit lost around the back of like Caledonian Road area, I want to say. I'm probably more familiar with it now than I was then. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. King's Cross is right here. Where the hell am I? And Finsbury Park is so close to King's Cross. It's got to be just one bus. But I wasn't seeing how to get home. I had no smartphone. Uh, at the time and I hadn't what I used to do without a smartphone is print out a little Google Maps before I went anywhere <laughs> like a little you know ordnance survey guy and I hadn't done that so that's Rory feeling a bit blue wandering the streets of King's Cross searching for a way home without a smartphone we're going to leave him for a moment because as you've probably guessed by now there's another number 17 passenger we'd like you to meet at this point in the story Meet Charlotte. I'm Charlotte. I'm 33 and I'm a French and Spanish teacher. I was kind of newly single, really, at maybe a month or so. Yeah, and it hadn't ended very well. So, yeah, I was on, I was just finishing up my PGC year, which is the teacher training year. So, uh, I'd just been at a really difficult school where, kind of, uh, yeah, it was, it was not fun. There was just, uh, it, you know, you see is, is really tough there's a lot of admin to do there's a lot of paperwork as long as well as you know creating all your materials from scratch my mentor wasn't very supportive so I was alone in the classroom quite a lot um, I you know was thrown chairs at and called and insulted and you know it was it was just a difficult year Charlotte is living with one of her sisters in Stratford at this particular time it's a Friday night in May towards the end of term so she and a colleague go out for drinks to celebrate the end of a difficult few weeks. I had fallen asleep on the tube because of my difficult year. I got drunk at the end of um, my training year. Classic me. Um, I tend to fall asleep on the tube very often. Uh, so I was on the Northern Line coming up from, from Tooting. And uh, yeah, so I would usually change it back to go home to my sisters who lives in Stratford. But... I fell asleep and I ended up at Euston and I got off at Euston oh god <laughs> it was the last tube as well so I couldn't get back down to bank uh, so I thought okay well I'll go to my parents who luckily live not too far from King's Cross so I started walking towards King's Cross it was uh, feeling annoyed that I'd fallen asleep and thinking oh god I hope I've got my keys my parents place and wandered towards the bus stop and then I sat down and I was obviously a bit drunk still but I noticed somebody at the bus stop looking at the map. No prizes for guessing who this man might be. Now, people sitting in front of it on the little red bench, I was like, oh, that's a bit awkward because I'm going to go stare over their heads. I want to make it clear. I'm here for the map. I'm here for the map. I'm not, like, harassing you. I just have a smartphone. I need the map. And then I was looking at the little colourful outlines. And then that's when this woman came up to me and said... Uh, Excuse me, do I know you? Now, we're going to do a little trip back in time within a trip back in time here. Because it turns out Rory and Charlotte aren't total strangers. I recognised him. We'd met before, once before, a few months earlier, at a house party. When I was still with that ex. 
Um, so we had kind of at the house party, we'd kicked, we'd you know got on very well, um, and so I remembered him from that. I sort of like, oh yeah, this is this is the the cute girl from the party that I met three months ago that I had sort of had a thing for, but she had a boyfriend at the time, and it just clicked immediately. So I said, yeah, I think so. At that party, you were with that guy, um, and then she said, oh yeah, him. That guy, he's not around anymore. And I was like, oh, here we go. We actually have photos of that night, which is really strange because who takes photos of random strangers at a house party? In the photo, I'm actually between Rory and my ex. You can see my my body language is already pointing a bit towards Rory. (laughs) Clearly, something in Charlotte just knew all those months before. Anyway, back to her and Rory at the bus stop. I still didn't know what bus I needed home. And I then, think I knew which bus you needed. We didn't share that information. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the bus I came. A the bus, bus came, and you were like, "Is this your bus?" And without looking at the bus, I said, "Yep, let's get on the bus with this woman who keeps telling me she's not with that guy anymore." So then we got the bus. Uh, you know, it was not that, that many stops. It was maybe five stops, mm. Caledonian Road, and. Um, and then, you know, obviously I was a bit drunk, so, you know, I kept repeating apparently that I was single. <laughs> Always good to clarify these things, I guess. And you reminded me of stuff I'd said at the party, which was like, oh yeah, you said you were a comedian, you were writing a book. I was like, oh my God, like, I must have been trying to impress you. And then we got off at my stop. We got off at your stop. I think I offered to walk you home. And then we both sort of felt that was a bit <laughs> weird. It was very dark, kind of, you, your parents lived in like the residential area in between everything. And I thought, I don't want to feel like a creep, but I did offer. <laughs> and then I asked, you still never forgive me, because I asked for your Facebook name rather than your number. Mm, yeah, I wasn't impressed. I guess it was 2015. You'll be pleased to know that Rory does eventually make it home on this particular evening. And it's safe to say he's feeling a little less downtrodden than he'd been when he got to the bus stop. I mean, I definitely saw him and was drawn to him like a butterfly, both at the party and at the bus stop. Um, I've got a bit of a type, so all of my exes pretty much look just like Rory. (laughs) Yes. Uh, which, if you're listening on the podcast, <laughs> he is just an incredibly gorgeous man. <laughs> I did say to my friends I've met my wife. I said that. But, which is crazy. Because I had complained after the party, I'd complained to them. I was like, oh, why are the good ones always taken? That sort of thing. And then hadn't, you know, thought more of it because London's, what, got nine million people, something like that. How are you going to, didn't exchange details, you know, how am I supposed to find this person again? She's a boyfriend anyway. And then just like, yeah, chance putting that in my lap. Chance it was indeed. But what happens after you're given that chance, if you're lucky enough to get one? Let's take a quick break. In part two, more bumps in the road, some creative grand gestures, and how the ending of Rory and Charlotte's love story might have just been the beginning of another. Three days after their chance second encounter, Rory is at home in Finsbury Park and plucks up the courage to finally send Charlotte a message. On Facebook, naturally. 
So on the Facebook messages, Charlotte was asking when I was next performing comedy. And very luckily, about two, a week after, two weeks after, I had a gig with like secret guest Harry Hill, like in a pub in Camberwell. And also Sarah Pascoe um, and Marcel Lucan. So like quite a good lineup and I was hosting. So I was like, oh, this would be it. Like who could dream of a better first date? This is amazing. Finally using the performing for good use. And so I invited Charlotte along. I got her tip. Did I make you pay for the tickets? No, those were definitely not paid for. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Good. I was about to worry. <laughs> and I brought my sister. And so you brought your sister and, and her friend, friend. Who were like in a comedy watching club. Harry Hills, Sarah Pascoe, and your crush's sister, who just so happens to be a comedy connoisseur. Not exactly a relaxing first aid audience for Rory there. But he steps up to the challenge. You got, like, you heckled one of the comedians, which is a little embarrassing. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think because he was doing a kind of French personality, I heckled him in French, just because I wanted to show Rory that I spoke French. <laughs> Message received, loud and clear. Safe to say they're both showing off a little bit. Anyway, the showing off works on both sides. And Rory and Charlotte quickly find themselves on that early days dating train. Sorry, bus. Heading dangerously towards officialdom. As with our last bus-related love story, though, there are some minor bumps in the road again. We were official sort of just before Edinburgh, which is in August. So, you know, because I was going away for a month to perform... Um, and Charlotte came to visit actually which I think who was I living with it was quite difficult because you know to save money I was like sharing bed with other comedians and then if you had a significant other coming to stay you'd have to like rearrange it's like oh you're going on the floor mate for three nights and Charlotte's coming and yeah I mean that was difficult because it's very stressful um, Edinburgh and I'm in this weird space um, and so I don't think we had a great time we argued a lot no, we had the official conversation. Just before? Yeah, before, at my parents' house. I remember because I actually suggested uh, in the morning, you know, what do you think? Should we be boyfriend, girlfriend, be exclusive? And at that point, you were not sure. <laughs> I said something weird about, I don't like labels. <laughs> I, we were already exclusive in my mind. Again, the thing about not having, you know, I'm not the kind who was dating a lot or didn't have the apps, like... So in my mind, they didn't need to have a conversation about being exclusive. So I was like, well, why do we need anything more than that right now? It's been two months. But I changed my mind within 12 hours. Yeah, I remember he, I was obviously annoyed and got up and kind of was being a bit cold. And I remember pretty much, you know, within half an hour, you coming up behind me and giving me a hug and saying, yes, of course. I mean, I guess you're still labouring under the illusion that comedy is like the new rock and roll and I was off sleeping with groupies and you know in my glamorous venue which is the back room of a Scottish pub um, and uh, so I think you're a bit worried about that fair enough because we were away for a while um, yeah but also you know when you're in comedian mode then you can be quite annoying mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a, you know a lot of comedians are quite self-involved and you know only really thinking about them and their show and you know I had come all the way up to Edinburgh to say hi and to be with you and you know there was quite a lot of um, I don't know selfish behavior maybe groupies and awkward bed sharing aside Rory and Charlotte make it through Edinburgh that year 
and the next year, and the next year, as a matter of fact. Sometimes, on reflection, it's not always such a bad thing to be forced into those difficult conversations at the start. They iron out those early bumps in the road, and Rory moves in with Charlotte and her sister, yes, the comedy guru, a few years later, in 2017, before eventually getting their own place together. It's not until after Charlotte's 30th birthday that they hit their next bump, as it were. You might recognise much of the next part yourself, if you've ever found yourself in a relationship, in your 30s, trying to figure out what you want going forward. I didn't like that feeling of um, insecurity and just always wondering, oh my God, he's taking me to a restaurant, doesn't that mean he's going to propose? And, you know, it's just, it's not nice. So I would always say to Rory, you know, no worries if not, but in the next six months, what are you thinking? Do you think you're going to propose or not? Rory says no the first time Charlotte asks. And the second. And the third. She's 32 by this point and has given him some ground rules for when it does happen. Nothing in public and nothing that makes it a show for Rory. She's seen enough of that on the stage. Then I had the idea of putting a fake bus stop inside the, the little stanchion that shows where the bus stops are. Um, which I'd seen people do this for various art projects or whatever, or brandalism, they call it. And I knew you could get inside the bus stop and put a, a timetable. And it says, instead of buses towards Archway, it says buses towards the future. And then instead of the stop names, it says like Charlotte is one stop. We met at this bus stop seven years ago. Will you, and the last stop, marry me? So... Rory finally has a plan for his big, uh, non-show of a proposal. Now all he needs to do is get Charlotte to that bus stop by King's Cross, and somehow, without her catching on. I put it inside the bus stop two nights before the proposal, and then on the afternoon I cycled there to check it was still there, like no one had noticed it, um, and then... I planned to arrange us to go out at a sort of club night in King's Cross with our friends as a way to be there late at night. Uh, Charlotte was already suspicious of that because we were in our 30s and who goes clubbing anymore. Um, and so I was like, I've got to throw her off the scent. I wanted to be a surprise. Um, all our friends dropped out of the night in the end because we're in our 30s and who goes clubbing anymore. But there was one friend left, Hannah, who wanted to come. I was like, well, it's a proposal. Me and Charlotte are going to go, but one other friend could go. Like, but this is perfect. You'll never suspect that I propose on the night, but we have just a third wheel with us. Charlotte doesn't suspect anything, much to Rory's delight. They begin their big night out on what happens to be the seven-year anniversary of their bus stop meet-cute, with poor, unsuspecting Hannah tagging along, and head to McDonald's afterwards, the starting place of all great love stories, obviously. There was a man at the bus stop a drunk man reading, literally reading where it says, Charlotte, will you marry me? And I was like, oh my God, who's this mate? And I thought he was going to be like, hey, look at this. So I was like, okay, let's go, let's go. Because I, 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 a couple of times I'd gone to the bus stop in the previous months at that time and I'd seen it's a very, very busy bus stop. But when one bus comes, it clears everyone out. So I was, I had a smartphone at this point. It's 2022. I got my phone out. I was like, the bus is coming in 10 minutes and it's going to take this drunk man home. Um, so let's just get food. And I said, let's get a McDonald's. Because I thought, also, who who was suspect that I proposed like, after a McDonald's? We left McDonald's, the bus had cleared, everyone out, ran across the road. We nearly got run over because I was so keen to get the bus up on no one was there. Because rule number one is it can't be in public. 
And I started an artificial argument about, did we get number 17? Did we get the 259? And you were like, oh, I think it was 17. I was like, oh, well, let's check the timetable. And I think you went to the original one where we first met. I was like, not that timetable. <laughs> no one checks that one. Come on, check the, uh, check the real one. I, I approached it uh, and I just saw my name. And I thought, what? And I, even before I read the rest of it, I felt him kind of moving backwards. Uh, behind me and I just whipped around and he was on one knee with the ring out and then I, I turned back and I saw the rest of it which was you know Charlotte will you marry me and I, I think I forgot to say yes yeah. <laughs> I was so shocked and taken aback Charlotte does eventually remember to say yes once the shock has subsided and obviously the wedding a year later has plenty of nods to the bus stop that brought her and Rory together TFL signs around the venue printouts of the best Twitter reactions to their personalised timetable that ended up storming the internet after a passerby posted it on Twitter. And a little reading you probably don't get at many weddings about leaning into these sliding doors moments, not just waiting for them to come to you. We had a reading at the wedding that was about chance encounters and um, kind of set in a fictional heaven where these angels are controlling humans and they the effort to make a chance encounter is extraordinary. They have to cause traffic jams, they have to make babies cry so they leave the house. And then the two humans meet and they don't ask each other out and they don't fall in love. So, and we had that reading to show that we did the extra effort to have the courage to go on the dates. But it was a bit of a damp script because it's obviously not a happy ending to a reading. So my Uncle Kim was like, I thought it was supposed to be a happy ending wedding. Like, what? Well, I don't get it. <laughs> so sorry to <took> Kim. <laughs> Don't worry, Rory. I can definitely think of two people who will get it. In fact, their story is strangely similar to yours, come to think of it. Charlotte might not have chased Rory down the street with a big suitcase, like Alice did for Elliot in part one of this episode. And yes, she might have had the advantage of a bit of Dutch courage the day she did approach Rory at a bus stop. But she still stepped outside of her bubble for Rory for a second, opened herself up to rejection by him, made a deliberate decision to make it very clear she was no longer with said man from the house party a few months previously. As did Rory, actually, when he chose to jump on the number 17 with Charlotte without knowing where it was going to take him. It's a nice metaphor for life, really, jumping on a bus without knowing where it'll take you. So what made Rory do it, exactly, when he could have just gone home and downloaded Tinder on his mum's iPad? Well... That impetus to make his own luck could have something to do with his parents' own love story. Maybe why I was so excited about meeting Charlotte at a bus stop, because my dad proposed to my mum on the top deck of a bus. But obviously this is always sounds really grand, but then whenever I cry and say, well, oh, what the, what you proposed, it was a different time and it wasn't very... There was no ring, I don't think, at the top of the bus. I think it was like they just agreed to get married while they were on the bus because they were moving in together and they thought they had to be married before they did that. And so that's when they agreed. But yeah, so I think it runs in the family. Low-key proposal as it was for his parents. It certainly makes a happy coincidence. So what's the learning here exactly? Delete Uber and always take the bus? Get to every bus stop in London. Just like the volume of bus stops. It's, if it's not happening for you, first 10, 12 bus stops in a night. Just keep going. More bus stops. Look at the map. Look at the, the other timetable. Just 
It'll happen for you. It'll happen for you. You just have to get to the bus stops. <laughs> okay, Rory might be teasing here. In fact, for the avoidance of any doubt, please do not go stalking random people at bus stops quoting this podcast at them, or we might not make it a series two. However, whichever way you look at it, you've got to admit there must be something pretty special about the number 17, right? They pump it full of pheromones or something. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I didn't want to dog TFL in. They've been nice to me, but they are doing some weird experimenting on the number 17 bus. In all seriousness, though, perhaps TFL are onto something here. Because in what I'm delighted to announce is perhaps the most perfect full circle ending we could have hoped for here to cap off our grand season finale of Series 1. Here's what Rory and Charlotte spied on the number 17. On the way home from that now iconic bus stop proposal. Uh, there was another couple on the bus chatting. Like A woman got on the bus and the guy at the front, they like young guys, he struck up the courage to start basically flirting with her. And I was like, look, here we go. Next <laughs> up. Here we go indeed. Young couple, if you're listening, please get in touch. This bus And that's it for our very special two-part finale episode of London Love Stories, or for Series 1 at least. Make sure you're following London Love Stories with Katie Strick wherever you get your podcasts for updates on Series 2, and just maybe a little Valentine's Day special along the way, if we're feeling really generous. See you soon.